Welcome, 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 welcome to Harbinger of Death. Harbinger of Death. Sit back, relax, unwind, and don't forget to turn your volume up to the max. Chapter 7 The Dead Girl Part 2 Mr. Harrington, who was their algebra and math teacher, did not come to class at all for the lesson, and Libby was oddly overpissed. You'd think he'd have the decency to send some kind of message to tell us he isn't coming. Meanwhile, we had to enjoy an entire hour with those football netadals acting like a pack of wild wolves. The five boys were chanting and singing all throughout the hour, when they weren't making jokes and laughing out loud. She was complaining about this as they were walking down the hall for their 15-minute break before the next class started. Nick was betting they were going outside for her to smoke that vape pen. As they passed a tawny-headed girl who was in the 11th grade in the hall who had brown, large eyes that made her look like she was going to cry, Libby said to her, You're pregnant. Congratulations. She said, never stopping for a second as she continued walking to the school's entrance with Nick behind her, fiddling with her school bag trying to find that pen. What she had said made the girl who was no doubt flat-stomached run and wail as if she already knew this fact. I mean, we come out here early in the morning to show spirit of participation. She said that like nothing had happened. Nick protruded on her words with his own. How did you know that? He questioned with a bit of shock in his tone. Oh, I'm a woman. We know these kind of things, Nick. She said. Nick now turned highly suspicious. Her hunches were usually... normal. But today they were extraordinary, unusually heightened, and she seemed to be getting things more accurately. But he commented not on this matter, and he let her ramble on, but she didn't. She smoked her pen with relief and was tranquil for 15 minutes. 15 whole minutes of silence. Finally their break was over, and they walked to class with silence. And when they got there, the football team in the class wasn't there, but Theo was. He saw them and walked towards them. Oh! Hey guys, he said with pep and overexcitement, and an unmistaken smile. Now you choose to notice us, she said, but Theo ignored that. Nick greeted back. Exciting day, isn't it? <laughs> he was full on smiling. Libby chose to ignore him and face Nick instead. Do you think Miss Hamby will show? Because if not, I'm leaving. Geography sucks. Then she took out her geography, a geology, and topology studies by Miranda Gothok. And it is more of a tome than a book. Fifteen minutes passed and Livy still wasn't talking to anyone. Theo barely noticed her as he talked with Nick for the entire fifteen minutes about the football strategy they and his team had planned. Nick occasionally tried to include Livy in their conversation as per usual, but she wasn't interested today, more interested in the teacher's whereabouts. Settle down, please, all of you, find your seats. Settle down. And by those words, Mrs. Hamby walked right in. A plump, old, but tall woman with red hair, tied with multiple pins, and she wore glasses that were thickly double. The cliché of a teacher. 
a woman who looks like she is in her 60s, and the students did as they were told, even the rest of the football team who were standing outside too excited to even sit. Nicholas barely noticed how filled the class is. Students from other classes had been in as well to occupy the same room even though they had no seats. He noticed Aaron, Gunther, and Spencer for some reason were snickering more than usual. Were they perhaps excited for the match as well? Nick had thought. Mr. Harrington, their math teacher, walked in with a contorted frown. For some reason, he's older looking than his actual age. Mrs. Hamby stood aside, folding her arms as if she had heard something terrifying. <clears throat> um, students, we... Just as Mr. Harrington was about to speak, a wailing in the distance stopped him. It was the sound of a man coming from the corridor, shrieking miserably in pain. Everyone was alert, including the two teachers standing in front of the class. Then outside the window, Nicholas noticed there were police cars. Two of them. But the crying man took Nicholas's concentration back to the hallway like everyone else had been paying attention to. Spencer! The men yelled in his cry. And suddenly, Spencer, who had been sitting next to Gunther and Aaron, stood up and said, Wait, that's my dad. No one could stop him from running out of the class quick enough. Both of the teachers were too concerned to stop him. So, they ran after him. And the rest of the class followed. Two policemen were comforting a man who was moaning in his tears, trying to get him up, but he did not budge. He covered his eyes, yelling in pain. His son came running to him. Dad! Dad, what happened? Spencer's dad. Coach March was indeed the man who was crying. L. Alyssa, she's, she, she's gone, he said. Spencer did not comprehend this. His face showed it. What, what, what do you mean she's gone, Dad? What, what do you mean? He now had disbelief and shock on his face. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's dead. He wailed on. This was Nick's worst dream come true. All of you, back in there, now! Mr. Harrington yelled, and the entire class, including Nick, flocked back to their seats and positions. Nicholas was heavily distraught with disbelief. How could this be? How is this happening? Maybe this was a surreal nightmare that he was just having, and it would stop at any moment now. But it didn't. The crying went on until the policemen, Nick assumed, carried him and Spencer out of the building. And there was still silence as both... Mrs. Hamby and Mr. Harrington walked back in the sob-filled room, ushered by a policeman who closed the door behind him. Uh, class, I'm sorry all of you had to witness that. I'm sure you're wondering what happened. And so, it is with great pain that I must tell you that one of you students has passed on last night. As I'm sure all of you, if not most, were familiar with the coach's daughter, Alyssa March. Murmurs filled the room, and the sobs rose mainly from the girls who knew Alyssa March. Mr. Harrington took the time to speak again, allowing them to take in the grave news. She was found last night by the police near the town lake, severely wounded, and she was taken to the hospital where she finally closed her eyes for good. It looked like he had more bad news to say. Because of this reason, I'm sad to announce that the football tournament against Willamore Sports Academy will no longer take place today and will not do so until further notice from the school council. This here is Officer Bourne with an announcement of his own. 
The policeman, who has been standing idly by, started speaking. Uh, hello, all of you. I would kindly ask every student to inform their parents and guardians about what happened. And also, please inform them that there will be a meeting tonight at 8 o'clock at the town hall. You are to be informed the students and children to stay indoors, as there will be a town curfew involved soon. This will be addressed at the meeting tonight to your parents and guardians. And as a necessary precaution, I am asked to tell you this. No one should go to the lake or the vicinity of this lake. And not the woods either. This is enforced upon strongly as dear Alyssa's untimely death is yet to be determined. Officer Bourne was interrupted. So, you mean to tell me that you have no clue what killed her? Aaron opened his mouth to speak. Lucky enough, Officer Bourne was kind enough not to shut his mouth. Not yet, we don't, but we're on a on the pending investigation and we will surely find out soon enough. But until then, stay off said land and be indoors before it's dark outside, kids. We fear there might be an extremely violent creature that loose that's out for blood. Thank you for your time. Be safe. Libby had let out a small cry at the point where the officer talked about a creature out for blood. He then left the room. Mr. Harrington took on the spotlight again. Classes today are cancelled and will resume on Monday, normal time. Right now, you are strongly urged by the police department, the school board, the principal and me and Mrs. Hamby to go straight home. On their way back, Nick, Theo and Libby didn't dare speak. On Libby's side, she was upset about losing a friend. Even though they weren't close anymore, it still hurt her incredibly. Theo was trying to calm Libby down, to give her comfort, but in his mind you could tell he had his own business to wallow over. He most likely is upset over the fact that he has been preparing for the semi-final football scholarship for months. Sacrificing his friendship time, focusing on his grades and giving it his all, only to find a very big obstacle he had no preparation for. Nicholas's problem was much bigger. He hadn't told anyone what he was going through. Seeing a headless horseman, hearing voices that preluded bad omens, acting bizarre and out of character, dreaming weird things, speaking to his dead mother on, on top of all the crazies he had, he was pretty sure he saw or dreamt of a nymph in the lake, which is the magical creature which looked like a woman, the lady in the water. The lady who most likely killed Alyssa March in the water. And seeing how it happened horrified him and raised multiple questions. It had to be her who killed Alyssa. Nicholas was on a thought rampage. I mean, there were no sharks in the salt water lake. That, that, that could do that much damage. In fact, there are no sharks at all. And an unidentifiable creature? It had to be that nymph. She... Then his train of thoughts was assailed by Livy's dangerously swelled and threatened voice. We can't go to the lake, Nicholas. What are you doing? She said, sobbing in between. What, what are you talking about? He asked, as if he was sleep-talking with his eyes open. Libby pointed at the road. Route 17's bright yellow sign shone like never before, resilient and incredibly eerie. Nick hit the brakes immediately, but this time he did something he had never dared to do before. He parked the car on the side of the road, switched it off, and got out of it, freaking out and hyperventilating. This was all too much for him. He kept asking himself what's happening to him, how he got there, 
what was going on, and Route 17's mysteries got the better of him. Nicholas, Nick, calm down. What's up with you? Libby asked as she followed after Nick, who was pacing back and forth, putting either of his hands on his temples and taking deep breaths. Theo was also out of the car now. How would he start explaining what was happening to him? Would it even make sense? Would it even make a difference whatsoever? Theo grasped Nicholas's shoulders with a strong grip to make him face him. Mate, tell us what's happening. What's going on? Something wrong? Nick tried to wriggle his way out of his grasp, but Theo's grasp was very firm, and Theo is also much stronger than Nick. I... I... nothing. I... I just... But before he could utter more weak lies or make them up, another strange thing happened right in front of his eyes. Across the street from where they were parked, a brunette girl who looked familiar emerged from the woods. It was Alyssa Mart. She looked confused, distraught, and a bit scared. Her hand clutched a hooded figure that was taller than seven foot. She was being pulled. The hooded figure carried a scythe. They were surrounded by cowing crows above head. Alyssa? Alyssa! Alyssa! Hey! Where are you taking her? Let her go! He yelled to the hooded figure, who blatantly ignored him. Hey! Hey! Alyssa's gone! Theo tried holding him down as he was gathering the strength to run towards what he was seeing. No! No, she's not! She's right there! Let me go! Tried as he might, he couldn't free himself from the muscular boy's grip, who was holding him with both hands on his slim abdomen. Alyssa saw Nick, and she tried to reach out. She too was held by the firm grasp of the hooded figure, now clearly struggling. Broomstone smelled everywhere as the figure opened a rift with his scythe, out of thin air, and he walked through it, followed by Alyssa March, who didn't want to go in. As if the rift was a portal into a different dimension, Alyssa and the hooded figure were gone, just like that. Nick yelled and scraped, but the grip locked him in. Finally, after several minutes, Nick realized there was nothing he could do, and he gave up fighting. He started howling and crying instead. Then he fell to his knees limply. He stopped crying after a few more minutes and turned to face Theo, who looked at him with set eyes. Why did you stop me? Why did you do that? I was so close. Nick was frustrated. Close to what, Nick? There's nothing there. Then Theo got cut off by the now angry Nick. Alyssa, she was right there. She wanted my help, but you wouldn't let me. He stood up as if he would punch Theo, but Libby intervened. Look, Nicholas, I'm upset too. Believe me. But there was nothing there, okay? Please come down. You're acting crazy. She said in a calmed voice. W what do you mean there was nothing there? That, that thing was dragging her somewhere. She, she was clearly in danger and I could have saved her. And you two got in my way. I could have... Libby touched Nick's crying cheeks to wipe the tears off. And just when that happened, Libby's face looked old and wrinkled, pale and sticky. The long nose and boils everywhere in a mold near her lip. No teeth and gray hair everywhere. She looked ancient. Nick immediately jerked his head away from her touch. What the fuck? And she was back to normal. Nick, I'm sorry, okay? But you're not gonna find Elisa there because she's at the mystery. She may have died at the lake. <laughs> Perhaps we uh, should take you home? All of us are in despair right now. She charged to the car, but Nick stood up. He stood firmly, and his face was stunned. 
No, I, I meant what the fuck are you? He asked in a brave shock, and that made Libby stop walking to turn her head back in Nick's direction. What? She asked in an expressionless tone. Nick is under scrutiny from both Libby and Theo for everything he just said. Senses came back to him, realizing that he literally just freaked out on his friends and has been seeing weird things. He mustered his emotions and let his logic take over. This was no coincidence. Everything that's happening now is happening for a reason. But right now, all that matters is getting home, perhaps. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just... I, I don't know how I am dealing with all this trauma right now. I guess it just triggered memories of my mom when she died. And how my dad broke down. How the March family are not going to be the same anymore. I shouldn't have put you guys in a position like that, okay? Uh, stress freaks me out, and I guess I just thought maybe the police would overlook things that I might be able to find. This would be my own coping mechanism. If I can just show them that whatever killed Alyssa is still there, it might help them cope better. It, it just might give us the answer, you know? <sighs> guess I just wanted to help. And you're right. You're, you're so right. I should just go home. He said. Then Libby spoke. Nick, we are so sorry. We didn't have a clue that's how you're feeling. You know we are always here for you. She wanted to comfort Nick with a hug, but Nick couldn't risk seeing what he saw Libby as again. So he wittily said, Yeah, I, I just kind of need a minute to myself. I, I appreciate you guys. He said in a calm manner to reassure them that he's perfectly sane. Of course, we'll be free in the car. Theo said, and they did so. He now pretended that he was pacing about, and then he eventually sprang to the other side of the road, running with all his might towards where he saw Alyssa march. Stopped for a second, but he noticed there were dead ants and insects on that patch of soil with a strong burning rubber smell. Libby and Theo must have seen him because they called out to him, no doubt following him way behind. He ignored them, and he ran so far into the woods that their voices started to drown out. Hello, people of all Zodiac signs. Thank you for listening to my podcast. The Harbinger of Death was written by me, Mbulelo M. I would like to give a special thanks to my friend who plays all the female characters. You're doing a great job. If you like HOD, the best thing you can do is share it with your friends. You can find me on my Twitter account by clicking the link attached to this episode. You can also go read Harbinger of Death on the Wattpad platform by searching Harbinger of Death. Please give us a rating on the platform you're listening on to let us know how much you're loving the show. Until then, I will catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye.